Well, today we continue our series from the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in that sermon, Jesus laid out his expectations. He is saying, this is what is expected if you are a Christian. So if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, then he lays that out. He speaks in the Beatitudes about the character of the Christian. So if you want to know what is a Christian, he tells us in the Beatitudes. Now, if one actually lives out the Beatitudes, he said, then you become a person of influence. You become salt in a world that is spiritually corrupt. You become light in a world where there is spiritual darkness. After that, then he calls us to a demonstration of the Christian life. So then the character is in the Beatitudes. I become a person of influence as I live out the Beatitudes, and then I demonstrate the expectation. How do I do that? Well, he said, I give alms that I might minister to those who have needs. I pray because I'm a child of God and I'm speaking to my heavenly Father. I fast. And then in my relationship to other people, he says, I live out the golden rule. So the way then I relate to you is that I treat you in the way that I would want you to treat me. So Jesus gives to us the expectation of being a Christian. If you are a Christian, understand it is not just walking down the aisle and shaking the pastor's hand and filling out a card. Jesus gives to us the expectation of being a Christian, and then he calls us to a decision. He extends an invitation. He said, now you know what it is. You know what it means to be a Christian. You know what I expect from someone who says that he or she is a Christian. So what are you going to do about it? There is an invitation then that is extended, and you'll find that pattern throughout Scripture. For instance, when Moses stood before the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he said, I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. So when Moses stood before the people of Israel telling them of God's expectation, he says there are two choices for you. There is the way of blessing. There is the way of curse. There is the way of life. There is the way of death. And Moses said, I suggest that you choose the way of life. Do you see that? He tells what is expected, then he extends an invitation. You see the same thing with Joshua. When Joshua stood before the people of Israel in Joshua 24, he said, and if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. So when Joshua then stood before the people and he called them to follow after the Lord. He said, now as far for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you also have to make a choice. So there is an invitation that is extended. Joshua uh, extended an invitation as well. So that's what you see here with Jesus. He explains what is the Christian life. He tells us what is expected. And then he issues an invitation. He says, so what are you going to do about it? Are you going to become a Christian or are you going to reject? That's where we are today. Take your Bibles, look at two verses with me, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, 
For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. When my children were young, I said to them, don't ever take a path unless you know where it's going. Well, that is what Jesus is saying here. He is saying there are two paths available to you. There is the way of the world and there is the way of God. And then he begins to describe these two paths. He tells us where these two paths lead. He says there in verse number 13 concerning the way of the world that the gate is wide. In other words, he is saying that if you choose to follow the world, it is an easy choice. If you choose to follow the path of the world, then the gate is wide. It is an easy choice. As a matter of fact, it does not even require a decision. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So Jesus then said, If you are not with me, then you are against me. So I I hear people sometimes, whenever you talk to them about the Lord, they say, well, I'm not ready to make a decision, or I'm not going to make a commitment concerning that, at least not now. What I want you to understand is when you do not make a decision, you have made a decision. That's what Jesus is saying. If you decide that I am not going to make a decision, then you have chosen the world because Jesus said, if you are not with me, then you are against me. The way of the world requires no decision. It requires no courage. That's the reason Jesus said many are those who enter by it. Now, folks, if you decide that you're going to reject Jesus, that you're going to follow the path of the world, then you are going the way of the crowd. It's an easy way to go because whatever you do, the motto is, well, that's what everybody does. You just go along with everybody else because you're going along with the crowd. We see that in business sometimes. Sometimes a business will get involved in unethical business practices, but hey, that's what everybody does. And so it requires no courage to do that. You don't have to have any courage to go along with what everybody else is doing. Same thing is true with students. I love our students. Enjoyed hearing y'all sing so much while ago and and so forth. We've heard the reports, we've read the studies that tell about the number of students who cheat. Well, that takes no courage. It takes courage instead to say, I'm going to do my own study, I'm going to make my own grades, I'm, I'm going to be responsible for my own education. See, it, it doesn't take any courage over here, you go along with the world. doesn't require any courage over here, but it does over here. We see it with politicians. At a time when we desperately need politicians and leaders of courage, sometimes I wonder where they are. Did you know that we have not had a federal budget for three years? I mean, can you imagine us trying to run the church without a budget? At the end of every month, we'll just say, well, how much do we need? And they can come to you and say, well, you know, this is how much we need this month. We haven't had a budget for three years, federal budget for three years. Why is that? Because by and large, folks, 
our politicians don't have the courage to tell us we're broke, that we don't have any money. So that doesn't take any... And we, we see the same thing with churches. Churches sometimes do not stand on the Word of God. Instead, they compromise the Word of God because they don't have the courage to stand on the Word of God. So whenever you're talking about the way of the world, it requires no decision, it requires no courage, and it requires no sacrifice. So he says the gate is wide, and then he goes on and says, and the way is broad. The way is... He's talking here about the world. If you decide you're going to live your life according to the dictates of the world, he says the gate is wide, the entry point is wide, it is easy. And he says that the way is broad. It is the way of tolerance. We're told today that that we are to be tolerant, that the way of the world today is the way of tolerance. Well, I understand that, but I, I mean, I ought to allow you the same rights and grace that I want for myself, right? So I understand that part of it. But ladies and gentlemen, there are some things we ought not tolerate. I mean, if I go to the doctor and he says, you have, a, you have a cancer, you have a tumor, what am I supposed to say? Well, let's just tolerate it. No, I'm going to say, let's take it out. I mean, there are some things that we ought not tolerate. But the world says to us that we are to tolerate sin. For instance, if I take a biblical view, now understand that I'm talking about a biblical view concerning homosexuality. There are those who say, they don't praise me for taking a biblical view. They say that you are homophobic, that you are not tolerant. So they said we are to tolerate sin, that we are to tolerate religion. I hear all the time people saying that all religions are good and we tolerate all religions because all religions are equally good. Well, if that's true, that means that none of them is true. If all religions are equally good, then it means that none is really True. So if you travel this way, it is the way of tolerance and the broad way is marked by worldly values concerning time. Well, let's consider how you spend your time. What did Jesus say? Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first. Well, let me ask you a question. Are the things of God first in your life? I I wouldn't answer that either. But no, concerning our time, we do what we want to do. We seldom put God's, God first in our life and the things of God first in our life. And uh, so it is marked by worldly values and selfishness. Our commitment, by and large, is not to God. It's what I want to do. In fact, we you know, discuss on, on a rainy day in the staff meeting, well, how do you think it's going to be today? You know, I mean, are people going to stay in? No, they're not going to stay in bed. They're going to get right down there because they're committed to Jesus. That's facetious. But see, that's what he's saying. He's saying that if you choose the way of the world, then you embrace worldly values. So whenever we're looking at the world, and this is what Christ is doing, he is saying there are two paths that are available to you But you need to know where it leads. He said the way of the world is a wide gate. It's easy to enter. It is a broad way. It is the way of the crowd. But then, verse number 13, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad. Uh Uh-oh. That leads to destruction. 
You can choose the way of the world, but you need to know where it leads. Don't take a path if you don't know where it's going. You can choose the way of the world, but he says it leads to destruction. I really don't think that anyone would choose the way of the world unless they were deceived. Why would you? And yet the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Folks, I want you to understand, I really do want you to understand this, that selfish choices today are fatal tomorrow. I do want you to understand that the way of the world leads to hell. That's what Jesus is saying. You can choose the way of the world if you want, but it leads to hell. And then he contrasts the way of the world with the way of God. In verse number 14, he says the gate is small. Now, over here, we have the way of the world. The way is wide. The uh, the gate is wide. The the way is broad. But over here, he says that the gate is, is small. It is narrow. The way to God is a narrow way. John chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now look at this. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, that's what he's talking about here. He is saying that the way of God is a narrow gate because it is coming through Jesus Christ into the kingdom of God. And he says, no one comes but through him. If we are going to go the way of God, if we're going to go the way of righteousness, the scripture says that we come through Jesus. Now, I grew up on a farm. I understand something about gates. They do two things, basically. They, they shut out and they let in. And the Bible says that the gate is narrow, but if you are willing to come through Jesus Christ, then you come into the kingdom of God. John 10 verse 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Let me be candid with you. It is Satan's lie that there are many ways to God. And if there are many ways to God, then Jesus died needlessly. Why did Jesus have to die if there are many ways of salvation? There's only one way of salvation, and it is Jesus Christ. He says the gate is small, and then in verse 14 he says, and the way is narrow. If you choose, I'm I'm going to choose the narrow path. I'm going to choose the path of righteousness. I'm going to choose the path of God. Then you leave the crowd because the crowd's over here on the Broadway. So you leave the crowd. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did whenever they, along with the other captives, were there when Nebuchadnezzar built the the golden idol and said for everyone to bow down and worship it, and they did except for these three Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar sent for them. He said, I understand that you didn't bow down when I gave the command. He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity, another opportunity to bow down and do what everybody else is doing. And they said, you know, we've really thought this through already and it's a waste of your time and ours because we're committed to God. What I want you to understand is that they left, the, they left the world, they left the crowd. Same thing is true with Daniel. Daniel lived at a time when the decree was given by Darius that no one was to pray except to the king. And Daniel prayed to God and ended up in the lion's den as a result of it. 
That's the reason that Jesus said few find it. I understand that, ladies and gentlemen. I, I want everybody to be saved. I really do. I want all of you to go to heaven. I pray that you do. But I also understand what the scripture says. And the scripture says that the, that the gate is narrow. It's a small gate. It, you can only enter in through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, few there be that find it. We leave the crowd and we leave sin when we come this way. What I think you see here is that as you come to the gate, that speaks of justification. That speaks of salvation. That is when I'm saved. So if I go through the gate... The narrow gate, I can only come through Jesus. He is the door. So I can only come through Him. So that is my justification. That is where I am converted. That is where I am saved. That is when I commit my life to Jesus Christ. All right, now then, as I live my life on the way, then I'm involved in the process of being sanctified, being set apart for the things of God, becoming more like Him. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 6, No one who abides in Him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Now that is not saying that as you walk on the narrow way that you do not sin, that you come to a place where you never sin again. But what it does mean is that you do not habitually live a life of sin. Let me tell you something. My friend, if you are comfortable with sin in your life, you probably should check to see if you've ever been saved. I sin. But I don't like it. And if sin is something that is comfortable in your life, you need to make sure that you truly know the Lord. The path that he is speaking of is a path of difficulty. I I used to have a staff member in my last church, Randy Reynolds. Randy would refer to some Christians as being electrical Christians. I asked him one time, I said, what is an, an electrical Christian? He said, they are those who take the path of least resistance. Well, a lot of times we are tempted to to do that, but the truth is this path is not an easy path. It is a path of faith, and rather than living a life of fear, I live a life of faith. I live my life with faith in Jesus Christ. It It is a path of love. And so rather than being condemning towards everyone, then I am to love. It is a life of obedience. It is difficult, but we choose obedience. So when I am insulted, what does Jesus say that I do if I'm on this path? When I'm insulted, I turn the other cheek. He says when I'm abused that I rejoice. And when I'm alone that I still stand for God. This is a dangerous path in chapter 5 verse number 10. He said, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Sometimes you don't hear those verses with a lot of television preachers. I I hear some some of those guys sometimes and they're talking, boy, if you follow the Lord, you're going to be healthy and wealthy and wise and everything's going to be good. And the sun's, you know, the wind's at your back and the showers are always coming down when they're supposed to and all that stuff. Well, that's not what he says here. I would not want to deceive you in any way and tell you if you'll just give your heart to Jesus, everything's going to be great. That if you give your heart to Jesus, then you're never going to be sick. That if you give your heart to Jesus, you're going to be wealthy. That is not what he says here. It is a dangerous path. I look at Moses. 
He stood for God when God called him and all of Egypt turned against him. Jeremiah called the Lord and said, Jeremiah, I want you to be a a prophet to my people. And Jeremiah argued with the Lord. He said, I'm young and inexperienced and I can't do that. God says, but I have called you. And Jeremiah became a spokesman for the Lord and the people wanted to kill him. I look at Stephen, one of the deacons in the New Testament church. And he stood for God and spoke for God and they stoned him to death. What I'm saying to you folks is that it is not easy to follow this path. And let me tell you, there's, there are going to be those times if you commit your life to Jesus Christ, there are going to be times that you're going to find yourself abused by the crowd, ridiculed by the crowd. You students already know that. It, it's, not, it's not so much whenever you get older, but whenever you're young and you try to live for the Lord and you go to school and others don't live for the Lord, there are always those other kids there who are going to ridicule you and try to make fun of you for standing for righteousness in Christ. I do remember when I, I, I was working at a television station and, and uh, God had just begun to work in my life and, and there was an article in the newspaper about the Southern Baptist Convention and there were so many people going that they didn't have rooms for them and so forth and there was a salesman that I I worked with and he was laughing about it. He said, I can't imagine that. Y'all don't have enough room. He said, you're so narrow-minded you can sleep for to a bed. Those things are sad. If you live for the Lord and you say, I want to live for the Lord, you're going to be misunderstood. And people will say, you know, concerning you, whenever you try to stand for righteousness, you try to live a godly life, you try to do what the Bible says for you to do, that you're trying to impose your values on, on society, you're trying to impose your values on someone else. I'm amused sometimes because it is so ludicrous when people say, well, you know, you, you can't legislate morality. I say, well, what do you legislate? Immorality? We do legislate morality. The question is, is whose morality do we legislate? But, but the thing I want you to understand that if you live for Christ, if you say that I want to live a godly life, I'm going to travel this path, then you're going to be ridiculed, yes. You're going to be misunderstood, yes. And sometimes you will be taken advantage of. That's what Jesus says here. He says, I want you to understand where these paths lead. And he said, if you choose the way of God, it is small, only through Christ. It is narrow, it is difficult, and it is dangerous. So what Jesus did then was to show us that there are two paths available to you. And then he calls for decision. He says, now you have to make a decision. Which path are you going to choose? He extends an invitation. In verse number 13 of our text, he says, enter by the narrow gate. He invites us to enter by the narrow gate. That's what Jesus says. He's extending an invitation here. And he says that if you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, then this is the gate for you because it is the way of righteousness. He said if you are seeking after life, then this is the path for you. He said because I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. My dear friend, Linda and I talk about it all the time because we're absolutely overwhelmed by the goodness of God. The satisfaction that we find in Christ. Oh, I wish I could plead with you, you young people, because you're making decisions, you're making choices about life. You will never, ever be sorry for following the way of Jesus. You never will. 
Now, you might be some sorry Christian, but you'll never be sorry for being one. You really won't. It is such a satisfying life that you find in Christ, Christ, such a fulfilling life in him. So why would you choose a path that is difficult and dangerous? Well, because you have to choose. You see, Jesus said not to choose is a choice. And because it is a better choice, it is difficult but it, because it is the way of discipline. Edmund Burke gave a speech in the House of Commons. His brother listened to him and he commented later, I've been wondering how it has come that Ned has contrived to monopolize all the talents of our family. But then again, I remember that when we were at play, he was always at work. If you decide that you're going to live your life for Jesus Christ and take the narrow path, then there is a discipline that is required. And you will not choose this path until, unless you're willing to take a long look because the benefits or the appeal are not necessarily immediate. William Barclay wrote, The only way to get our values right is to see not the beginning, but the end of the way. To see things not in the light of time, but in the light of eternity. If you're going to travel this way, then you have to take a long look and understand that it is a way of discipline and your choice determines your destiny. He says concerning the broad way that it is crowded, it is deceptive, and it's fatal. Paul says the wages of sin is death. The narrow way, it's the way to life now and forever. Let me very quickly conclude and I want, to, I want to remind you of the story of Lazarus and the rich man, or Lazarus and Dives, as tradition says he is. You recall the story that they took different paths. Lazarus took the narrow path and Dives took the broad path. Because they took different paths, they ended up in different places. Lazarus went to heaven, Dives went to hell. But they both reached the same conclusion. And that was that Lazarus had made the better choice. Because there in hell, Dives said to Father Abraham, Would you let Lazarus go back and warn my brothers that they not come to this place? They both agreed that he had made the better choice. So here we come to the invitation. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those who find it. My friend, as best I know, you understand what is expected of a Christian, what it means. That there are two paths available to you. There is the way of the world. There's the way of God. And now I extend to you the invitation as to what you will do. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let me ask you just to draw a circle around yourself, shut out every distraction, and first of all ask, which path am I on? Now, if you're not on the path that is narrow, the gate that is small, what will you do? 
Say, well, I don't want to make a decision today. Well, according to Jesus, by not making a decision, you've made a decision. You've chosen the world. Today, would you just pray, Father, I commit my life to you. I want you as my Lord and my Savior. Now, if you prayed that minute, then today I know you'll identify with Christ. We're going to give an invitation. Staff will be here. If you prayed that prayer and really meant it, then I want you to come and just take somebody by the hand and say, today I'm on the narrow path or today I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I pray you'll do that. Even if you profess faith in Christ, but you know you're not a Christian, if you're a member of the church, but you're not a member of Christ, today would you choose that narrow path, choose Jesus. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. Father, bless this time of invitation. May we be honest with your invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, please, as we stand. The choir sings as they sing. You come. I'll greet you as you do.